Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm joined today by my handsome husband and great cat helper, Dewey. Hello, my beautiful wife, Molly DeVos, and hello to all you cat fans out there. So today, Molly, what would you like to talk about? Well, I usually choose topics based on what I've heard the most of that week. You know, I'm at the shelter four days a week, and I talk to a lot of people who are adopting cats. Many of them have never owned a cat before and know very little about cat cat parenting. So it's a great opportunity at the shelter for me to educate people on what cats need. And this past week, I was asked several times about declawing, like, you know, do you have declawed cats and where can I get my cat declawed? And those of us in the industry are just aghast at the question. But, you know, a lot of people just don't know what about it. Well, so Molly... Why would someone really consider declawing a cat? Well, you know, I ask them that very question so that I know how to educate them. And the answers I get are often, I have young children or a new baby, and I'm worried that the cat's going to scratch them. Or I don't want the cat to tear up my furniture or my carpets. I hear carpets a lot, which usually surprises me. Usually all of that is just fear-based, and it's not something they've actually ever personally experienced. It's just something that they've either read about or maybe heard from other friends and family people. So that seems like a legitimate concern to me. I mean, I would be upset if somebody uh, had a cat or I had a cat that scratched uh, my baby's face. Um, So Molly, what, what do you recommend they do instead? Well, I'd be upset too. But I wouldn't be upset at the cat or at the baby. I'd be upset at myself because both the cat and the baby are doing what's natural to them. You know, the baby's being curious and the cat's being afraid and defensive. You know, toddlers should always be taught to be gentle to animals. And babies just simply should never be left unsupervised on the floor with the cat. I mean, you need to create a a safe zone for your cat, a a no baby or toddler area. You know, maybe it's a room with a cat door in it where the cat can go and feel comfortable and escape the scary baby. (laughs) Scary baby? (laughs) Yeah, the scary baby. (laughs) Sounds like that movie, whatever it was with the baby. But surely the cats know an infant can't hurt it, right? Well, no, they don't. Um... You know, cats live through their noses, which means that, you know, they are familiar with their surroundings based on the way it smells more so than the way it looks. And when a parent brings home this weird, smushy thing that smells unlike anything that cat has ever smelled before, and it moves like nothing the cat's ever seen before and makes loud, scary noises, 
the cat's going to be confused and afraid at all those new sensations. And, you know, babies also wreak havoc on a cat's routine. You know, they the cat has been getting a certain amount of attention and it's meals at certain times of the day and all you need to do is have a new baby and you know how the, your whole life is turned upside down and, you know, the cat's all of a sudden not getting as much attention and maybe its meals are getting late because, of course, the baby takes precedence and, and that routine interruption causes further upset with the cat. And, you know, the cat we got to think about this. We, we often project ourselves so much onto our animals, but a cat has no preconceived notion about what a baby is. So, you know, it's only going by what its senses are taking in. And all that information from the baby is foreign and unknown. You know, if the baby reaches out to the cat, and you know how those babies move in sudden herky-jerky moves or lose their balance as they're reaching for things, then the cat's going to swat in defense very likely. You know, so really the best advice is to, is to only have the two together, the baby and the cat, in supervised situations. And if you don't, then please don't blame either the baby or the cat for doing what comes just natural to them. Okay, so are you saying all cats react defensively to new babies? Well, all cats react with fear when they encounter things they've never seen or heard before. There is a period in every kitten's life, what we call the developmental stage. It's from about three three to seven weeks. Some people extend that out to 14, but there's a pretty narrow window in cats, much narrower than with dogs, where whatever they're exposed to in that period of time repeatedly, and then they won't be afraid of those things later in life. So there are some good arguments for, you know, I should, I should get a kitten when I have a new baby so they can grow up together. Well, that kitten, when it becomes a cat in a year, is going to be more comfortable around that baby because that's all it's ever known. So, um, so yes, it's key that you are preparing your cat for the new baby if you've already got a cat and then you have a baby coming in. But that's a whole nother episode. I'm getting off track going down rabbit holes. This topic is about scratching and declawing. And we need to get to the new baby prep episode soon. Um, but just know that you can't bring any creature into a cat's territory and expect it to accept it with no behavioral consequences. I mean, just like if you brought home a new friend to live with us, I'm going to have some behavior issues. <laughs> Talking about a rabbit hole, I'd have <laughs> behavior issues also. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to handle anyone else in my life but you my love <laughs> you're the only one i ever Look, want Dewey, it's my yeah. new friend i'm bringing no. it home to live with us right? no, that's that, that would be a behavior issue just in the thought of it so just just you my love so what about the concern of tearing up your furniture and carpet those are valid concerns also right well, yeah, and nobody likes to have the things that, you know, they've worked so hard for destroyed. And at the same time, cats have to scratch, okay? It's a natural behavior for them. It's one that isn't optional. It's like sneezing. When you have to sneeze, you got to sneeze. It's not optional. Well, it's like that for cats and scratching. 
They do it because they have to get a full back stretch, which is very important for them to keep their back in alignment and posture. They also do it for nail maintenance, and they do it as a territorial marker. Um, you know, they have scent glands between their, their toes, and so when they're scratching, they're actually leaving scent behind and visual lines which tell other cats this is my territory and sometimes they just do it for fun and to burn off pent-up energy you know cats who live outdoors will use tree trunks and fence posts to mark their territory and you know another thing to remember is a new piece of furniture so you know if you if you're getting a new sofa and you've never had scratching problems with your cat before, know that that new piece of furniture is going to be particularly attractive to your cat because it's new and it doesn't smell like them yet and they'll want to claw and scratch it as a territorial gesture to go, oh, this new piece of furniture, it's mine, you know. Well, so be sure that you cover it at first and it's going to be better if you cover it with something you know, like towels your cats sleep on or things like that. Anything, just make sure that you're covering it with something that smells like the cat so that they won't be tempted to scratch it and make it smell like them. Okay, so that that sounds pretty legitimate. I mean, so if scratching is, a, is natural to them, I assume you have to get a scratching post to keep them from using your couch, right? Is that can you put a scratching post somewhere and 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 prevent the the whole thing in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. And you you got to get scratching posts for your cat, but you got to make sure that it's the right kind of post, right? It's the number one thing is it's got to be tall enough. And so by tall enough, I mean the full length of your cat. So if your cat was standing up on its back legs with its front legs stretched out, that's how tall it needs to be. And that's usually 40 inches. Um, On the website, under resources, products, um, um, and what is it? Enrichment. That's what it is. Resources, products, and in the enrichment section, I have links to Amazon where you can get tall, nice scratching posts that that work. The other thing you have to do is explore textures. Not all cat likes to scratch the same textures. Some like the sisal rope, some like bark, some like, you know, the Berber type stuff, some like carpet, some like loose fabric, tightly woven fabric. I mean, look at what the cat is scratching in your home. Sometimes they like the looser fabric because they can get their claws in it and rip. So sometimes you might have to go to the fabric store and buy some fabric that mimics what your couch or surface that they're tearing up is and loosely wrap it around a cat tree or post so that it it mimics that same texture for them that they're scratching on. Another big key is horizontal versus vertical. Some cats like to put their claws on the floor and get their scratch that way, stretch out, and some like to go vertical and some do both. I like to give both options i mean a good you know we get donated just like we got donated a few minutes ago a big pile of carpets that we take to the shelter because they're real tightly woven and they're like a 24 inch by 24 inch square and you put those down on the floor and cat can't can't help it they go over and they they scratch on it and those are very easy to get the other thing is placement is key where you put it 
So remember, a lot of scratching happens as a territorial marker. So if your sofa is by a window, like let's say a big front window, chances are the cat has scratched up the back of the sofa that's facing the window or the corners that face doors or things like that. So be sure that you put your scratching post in areas that that are where the cat would naturally make a visual and scent sign to another cat that it might be seeing outside. So, and if you're fostering, putting a scratching post and scratching pads outside the foster door is very important so that they can feel like they're getting their, their territorial markings there where those fosters are. But make sure too that you're you're not hiding them off because you know they're not always decorative and beautiful although i have some links to some pretty cool ones on the site but they've got to be in areas you know that have a little higher traffic cuz the cat wants to be active and and with us so it needs to be in a room you know like places where the family hangs out okay good so now i i kind of got an understanding of where to kind of begin to place the tree so does a tall cat tree count as a good scratching post yeah yeah a cat tree can count as a scratching post you don't you don't have to have both but you know a cat would love it if you had both but a really tall cat tree is also an excellent way to create a safe zone for the cat i always tell my clients especially clients with young children that when the cat gets on his cat tree that needs to be home base that's got to be a safe zone. Don't touch the cat when the cat's on the cat tree. And it's a really easy, good rule with toddlers. It's like, okay, Spunky's up in his tree. No touch because that's got to be his, his safe zone where when the cat needs a timeout, it has a place to go and knows that it's not going to be bothered by anybody. It's a way for them to get up and away from the toddlers and the dogs and the baby. So, okay, so what if you have a situation where, you know, the cat's refusing to use a scratching post? Is that a an option uh, to declaw? I mean, is that a reason, a good reason to declaw? Well, first, you need to be responsible to do your work to attract the cat to the scratching post. So there are some ways to do that. You can put catnip, you know, rub catnip on the on the scratching post. That'll attract the cat to it. Call oh, your yeah. cat over there. Give it treats for using it. You know, toss treats to the base of the scratching post. Sometimes, too, I like to just run my nails, you know, like scratch it myself at the top. And then the cats will reach up there and scratch and then give them a treat for using it. And then Feel Away has a new product called Fela Scratch, and it's got pheromones and catnip and, and actually a visual dye. And you squeeze it out in lines up the scratching post, and it attracts the cat to it. So, you know, you need to do your job to try to get that cat to use the scratching post. It's not enough just to set it up in the right area. And if they're already destroying your furniture, then aversion therapy helps by placing deterrents around, you know, covering the surface with less appealing material. Sometimes aluminum foil works. I usually recommend using carpet runners, which are these clear plastic 
thin pieces that you put on carpets to protect them from high traffic areas and they have sharp points on the bottom. Well, it's, you can get it in a roll on a hardware store and it's thin enough that you can cut it to the shape, you know, put it around the corner where the cat's scratching, poke little holes in the corner and use upholstery screws, which are little corkscrew type things that won't hurt your upholstery. And, um, and, and they don't like the feel of those sharp points. So that is a good deterrent. You can also, you know, tie tin pie pans, you know, hang them from a string and, and safety pin them to your upholstery and hang the pie pan down in the area in front of their scratching. That will also um, deter them. You can use a product called Sticky Paws, which is a double-sided tape. They don't like sticky on there. You could also use a motion-activated air. It's like, a, they call it scat cat. These things are all also on my website, catbehaviorsolutions.org. Under resources, products, deterrents, um, you'll find all these deterrents easily there. Um, so definitely, you, you've got to do your job attracting them to the post and then also putting deterrents in place on the things that they're already scratching. But remember, you can't tell a cat no. You have to show it what you want it to do instead. So it's the this, not that rule. So you can't say, not that, not that, not that. You have to go, do this, means this scratching post, this tall cat tree, not that with the deterrence. So, you know, Put that post near where he's likely going to scratch. But no, to answer your question, I personally do not recommend declawing a cat. I think a lot of people think, well, it's just the removal of a fingernail. Like if one of our fingernails were removed, you know, you watch those movies where those guys pull out people's nails with pliers and stuff. That's pretty horrible. But you figure, eh, it'll grow back or I'll live without a fingernail. (laughs) But it... It is a big deal because it's actually an amputation of the cat's toe. So it's the equivalent of, of amputating one of our fingers or toes at the first knuckle. It's, it's that last bone, that knuckle and bone. And that bone is removed along with tendons and nerves and ligaments. And they estimate about 80 plus percent of cats have bone spurs as a result of that surgery, which leads to residual pain and ultimately can lead to litter box issues too. Wow. Jeez, that sounds brutal when you say you're going to cut it off to the first knuckle. I mean, that's a visual that I think people, if you're listening to this, you should take that into consideration when you're cutting off those. That's brutal thought. (laughs) I I can't imagine having all my toes amputated at the same time and then trying to walk around. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or even my fingers. So yeah. Right. Well, fingers would actually be a little easier because we don't walk on them all the time. But and brutal's a great word. I mean, it's it it is an ugly, brutal surgery. Um, the procedure's banned in most European countries, um, several Canadian provinces, and then in the U.S. There are cities that actually ban declawing and penalize veterinarians for doing it. Denver, San Francisco, L.A. And then most recently, New York State uh, actually is the first state in the country to outlaw declawing. So that's a start headed in the right direction. But bottom line, it's, it's inhumane. It's unnecessary. 
and it disfigures a cat's natural anatomy, which affects its balance and everyday behavior. And in some cases, it can lead to permanent back pain, too, because their posture is off. And, you know, when your posture is off and you walk funny for long periods of time, it eventually messes up your back. So it's, it's not good, no. Wow. So I have read somewhere, and I'm just trying to think about where I read that, but I read there are studies that show declawing does not affect the cat's behavior. Is that, I mean, we're talking, this is a behavior show. Does it, does that affect the behavior? Well, there are some vets who actually do declawing procedures who like to say that. Then they're quoting these studies out of kind of out of context. They like to say, no, there are studies that show that declawing doesn't affect the cat's behavior. But what they're talking about is the cat's natural behavior of clawing and kneading. You know, when the cat like makes biscuits and it's purring and it's in a soft spot and it's doing that kneading, it 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 doesn't affect that behavior. Your cat is going to continue to try to scratch even after it heals from the surgery, which is further proof of how much they need to scratch. You know, the other thing is it it does affect their behavior because I've seen a lot of cats that will begin to use their teeth and bite more once they know they can't defend themselves with their claws. You know, ultimately, the cat is scratching for a reason. And if it's due to fear or anxiety and territorial marking, then you need to find out what's wrong and resolve what's causing the anxiety. But it absolutely will change their personality if they're in constant pain. So at the end of the day, isn't declawing better than someone taking it to the shelter, abandoning it maybe outside, or even requesting euthanasia from the vet? I mean, declawing because it makes people so upset they do irrational things like this isn't it better though i mean if you had this or that well and another study that that vets will quote is that 50 percent of cat owners who declawed their cats say that they wouldn't have otherwise kept their cat and you know that's why we're here we're here to provide people with resources of how to fix these problems so they don't have to give up on their cat. I mean, you know, scratching is a simple, simple thing to correct. Even when it gets on that borderline of they're scratching you and this is aggressive behavior. But, the, you know, clawing your furniture and scratching at babies and kids, these are easy things to fix. These are no reasons to either, you know, brutally declaw and disfigure your cat or to rehome it or certainly not abandon it or euthanize it for that. I mean, share Cat Talk Radio on your social media feeds so that others have this free info too. You know, some other things you can do is regular nail maintenance. You need to trim your cat's nails every two to three weeks. As nails get longer, cats will try to scratch more. And I know that's a scary, difficult thing to do, especially if you have a cat that's anxious about that. You're anxious about overcutting and the cat doesn't like you holding it and squeezing the feet. I use the Zen Clipper because it has a hole 
it has a it's blade it's a conical blade which means it's a round blade so it has a hole and it comes in different sizes and you simply slip the cat's nail into the hole and you squeeze the handles and it very cleanly just cuts it right off there's no crunching of the nail like if you're using toenail clippers or dog clippers or any of the scissor style clippers um, it's a really great clipper and I sell it on the Behavior Boutique on the website. Um, and I mean, if you're in the Dallas area, come by the shelter on the weekends and I'll show you how to do it. I can, I'll grab a cat. We have plenty of cats to show you and show you how to hold the cat, how to, how to make it where the cat, you know, is safe and it's not jerking away from you while you're trying to trim it. You know, start young. If you've got a young cat, it absolutely train your cat to be relaxed while you're trimming their nails pair their favorite treat with manicure time you know another thing you can do they have these um, covers now these rubber nail covers that go over the cat's toes um, and and they come in colors and stuff like that and and those are relatively easy to put on and certainly a far cry better from than declawing or rehoming your cat. Yeah, we have a friend named Emily who has a cat named Nobu, and it's always so cute. Uh, they always have her toes looking like they've been painted, like she's got painted toenails. But mm-hmm. always, every time we see the cat, she's always got those rubber nails on. It's cute. It is. It is cute, and it and it's easy to do. They come with with like nail glue. And you put a little drop of the glue in the in a little plastic nail cover and you squeeze it so that the glue gets evenly distributed. And then you, you know, hold your cat like you were going to be trimming its nails anyway, extend the nail and put the cap over. And they come in different colors. So you can have fun. You can have rainbow toes on your cats or you can make them all pink or all blue or whatever. I mean, some people, like I think Emily has her vet put them on, but you can do it at home, you know, and, and you can trim the nail. You're supposed to trim the nail first and then slip these on. They last about four to six weeks before they start falling off. You know, personally, I prefer to just redirect the scratching because it's, to me, it's a lot of trouble to keep up with those nail caps. So I prefer to take the method of, use the scratching post and the carpets and things I want you to scratch on. Um, but absolutely, nail covers are a far cry better than amputation. <laughs> oh, man, it sure is. So what about when the cat is just being mean to the people and scratching them when they're trying to interact with it? Well, you got to, again, you've got to get to the bottom of what is the reason for this? Why is this cat reacting that way to you? I mean, part of it could be the cat's history with people or some traumatic event that happened in its past. But we have to find out why the cat's reacting this way and work on changing how it feels about people, which is usually fear. Because, you know, they don't, they don't do it to be mean. People say, well, my cat was just being mean. He's being mean. No, he's not being mean. If he's swatting at you, it's because he's afraid of you. So, you know, we have to reframe those feelings to ones of trust by pairing really great things for the cat with you. You know, so if you're interacting with them and they're being nice Give them a little bit of shaved turkey, you know, that kind of thing, so that you're rewarding them for 
good times and good things with you. And, you know, again, this is more like aggression. And we have several podcasts on the topic of aggression that dive much deeper into this topic um, in terms of cats scratching you. But if you, you know, most of that is fear-based. But if you're having that issue, look at the aggression podcasts and, and you'll have more information there. So, okay, are there other things we can do to help prevent them from scratching? Yeah, so, you know, cats have a lot of pent-up energy just in general because they're, you know, by nature, they're used to being free and living outdoors and roaming around and doing all the things they would normally be doing, which is six hours of hunting a day and chasing leaves and stuff like that. And so when we keep them indoors, they do have pent-up energy. So that is something that, that we have to address. Prey play, as I'm always talking about, you know, done right before mealtime helps to mimic their natural cat rhythm. Um, you know, harness and leash train them or stroller walks or better yet, build a, a catio, you know, outdoor patio. Um, any kind of ways for that cat to burn off energy is so, so, so important. You know, you've got to reduce stress and anxiety in the cat's environment, and you do that by creating routine. Make sure that all interactions with that cat happen religiously at the same time, the same day, when you feed it, when you play with it, when you spend cuddle time. Spend a lot of quality cuddle time with your cat. You know, and make sure your cat's got lots of distractions while you're gone so it doesn't get bored. Food puzzles. Every cat ought to have a food puzzle. Music left on when you leave. You know, relaxing um, classical music, not, you know, hard rock acid music. (laughs) (laughs) TV. There's, you know, they have cat cat TV on on YouTube. Motion-activated toys. Things that are going to mentally stimulate that cat when you're gone. But, you know, bottom line is the cat has to have an attractive outlet to scratch on, which, again, is the right kind of scratching post size, the surface. And it's, it's just like the litter box. You know, I think I have 10 or 12 things that these are the 10 things that you've got to have in your litter box for it to be attractive to the cat. And it's just like that with a scratching post. If you don't make it attractive to them, they won't use it. Wow. So what if, here's a scenario. Okay, what if someone finds a cat that has already been declawed? Wouldn't that be a good cat to adopt in the first place? Well, um, yeah, we do get them in the shelter quite often. Um, we, we do get declawed cats, and I do have lots of people coming in looking for them. But, you know, a couple things you want to be aware of. You want to make sure that that cat wasn't surrendered because it wasn't using the litter box. You know, that is one of the common things that happens with declawing cats because they have residual pain in their feet. And when they go to the litter box, it hurts. You know, the crunchy litter is hurting their toes on their bone spurs. And so they go, ah, it hurts when I pee in there. I'm going to go use somewhere else that's softer. So make sure that the cat wasn't surrendered for a litter box usage problem because, trust me, dealing with scratching is a whole lot easier than dealing with not peeing in the litter box. <laughs> and, 
you know, I can visibly tell. I when cats come in, all I have to do is look at their toes. You can tell their toes are missing. It'll look like their feet or their toes are collapsed at the end. You know, you and you can't tell if the cat is in constant pain because cats are so good at hiding their emotions. You know, so yes, adopting a cat that has that has already been declawed is a good thing, but just be aware that you might be setting yourself up for other behavior problems. But if you fall in love with the cat, adopt it. And then just remember, too, that you need to be committed to keeping a declawed cat indoors at all times because it can no longer defend for itself. So it it will need to be an absolutely positively indoor cat forever. So I think we all get the fact that you do not recommend declawing and you've laid out some great non-surgical alternatives for our listeners today. And I myself love this episode. So if you're listening today, please check out some of Molly's other resources like Facebook and Instagram where she points out and posts most everything. Like the page and like the page and share it with your other cat friends. Uh, also, check out the Behavior Boutique. It's a great place. She's got lots of great things out there, as she's mentioned. Like the, the Zen show. Nail Clippers. The Zen <laughs> Nail Clippers, right? Go there. Get you some of those. And when you see them, I think you'll really understand their importance and how well and easily that you can use them. And I've, I've seen them in action, and I think they're, they're awesome. Um, so, also... Uh, while you're on the site, check out Molly's blog. She's always got great information there. She's always available for virtual and in-home consultations. Molly often holds educational seminars and speaking engagements. And I'd like to also say if you've ever had anything great happen to you and you've gotten some good benefit from this, please send us a, a gratuity donation and uh, we, it, it costs money to put these podcasts on, and that really helps us out a lot. So thank you, Molly, for another great episode. Thank you for your help today and always, my love. And we will be here religiously for you. We're into our second year of Cat Talk Radio podcasts, and we will Woo-hoo. still – I know, yay. Yay. Had a birthday party. <laughs> yay. Woohoo. <laughs> We will be here until shelter euthanasia is no longer the number one cause of death in cats. That is our mission, to put a chunk into that number. So until next time, keep calm and purr on. Goodbye, everybody. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. 
Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.